Hey, Justin. Hey, Andros. What's up, man? You know, just we're on the verge of like uh, the eve of destruction, as they say. Yeah, World War Three around the corner. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's the end of the world as we know it, but I feel fine. That's good. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, hey, let's, uh, let's do some news then. Because, you know, stuff is happening outside of just total annihilation of humans. Uh, you know, so let's, let's, uh, let's just dive into the world of tech, shall we? And yeah, let's just dive right in there. Let's do it. Great, because uh, I, I, like, uh, I feel like there's actually some positive news out there. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Andrew Sturgeon. And I am Justin Womack. We are the Marketing Geeks. Marketing Geeks. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Okay, so, uh, man, stuff has been happening. What, uh, you got a few stories for me, yeah? Yeah, I mean, I want to talk about a few things. I want to get into current events. There was one thing um, that came up for me recently with one of my clients where he is doing a lot of SMS marketing, so text message marketing. He's using Twilio, mm-hmm. and uh, he kind of caught me up on the latest with uh, compliance and privacy standards for text messaging. So if you're like me, you probably get a lot of spam text messages, and there's people that are like phishing where they pretend to know you. They're like, Hey, is this still your phone? Or you get these like weird messages, which will start the rabbit hole or whatever scam they're trying to run. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently that's gotten so prevalent that uh, the U.S. has started to crack down on how people can qualify to send broadcasts, so um, you know, big bulk text messages to people. And they've introduced new standards. So there's there's something called uh, A2P, which is application to person standards um, that you have to meet. And then there's something called 10DLC, which I forget what that stands for, but it's essentially what you're doing is you have to assign your business with a, um, a brand and tax ID, and you really have to do a, a, a significant verification process now uh, before you're able to send broadcast text. And this went into effect in September of this year. So this is brand new. Hmm. So if you've seen a decrease in text message marketing, that is probably why as well, until scammers figure out a better way to get around it. So Yeah, they'll just send it from uh, you know Russia or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Spoof the numbers until they get blocked. So um, it's kind of a complicated process through Twilio. You have to, again, you have to register your brand. You have to register every phone number as, um, as compliant with the standards. And you have to... If you're using API connections, which if you're using Twilio, you pretty much are, um, all of those have to be kind of vetted as well. So it's a, there's a significant wait period right now to get approved. But, um, I went through the process with my clients. It's not too difficult. It's just time consuming and it's, it's mm. very techy. So if you're not a tech person, you're gonna get uh, you're gonna get stuck. I guarantee that because I, I struggled with it a bit myself. Yeah, I actually tried to connect a, a, a web chat to a phone on Twilio. And, uh, and I'm, I'm pretty good with this sort of thing, but I, 
I, I, I didn't quite crack that code and I just found a simpler solution. So, um, yeah, that's really, is way overcomplicated, uh, their, their user interface, but it's, but I figured it out. I got it now. Oh, okay. Well, good for you. So, uh, skill, uh, you just up leveled, right? Your skill set. Yeah. 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 What about you for marketing news? What do you got in today's stories? Oh man, so much. Well, uh, first of all, Elon Musk. I know him. <laughs> yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah, that guy. Uh, he has been testing charging users $1 annually to stop bots, as he says. Uh, according to the New York Post and several other outlets, Elon Musk pushed through a $1 annual fee for new users in his social media site X, which will always be Twitter as far as I'm concerned, to unlock basic features such as posting or sharing content. Uh, a move the billionaire claims is the only way to defeat automated spam bot accounts. I, I actually think that this is uh, going to backfire tremendously. No one is going to pay uh, a dollar, even if it's for a year, for, for that, that dumpster fire of a platform. I was reading that he was even considering a dollar for lifetime access to it. But even so, it's the same principle. I mean, people are not going to pay a dollar. Now, the, the other thing to consider here is I believe he would grandfather in any existing accounts. Would not, they would not be charged a dollar is what I was understanding about it. I could, be mis I could have misinterpreted it. Um, but any new users would have to pay that fee. And this is, like you said, this is what he claims is the only thing that he can come up with to eliminate the bot problem on Twitter. I, I think it's I think it's a bad idea. I agree with you. Yeah, it, it, well, him running uh, Twitter is a bad idea. Uh, existing X users are not affected by the test, according to Musk. New accounts who decide uh, new accounts who decide not to pay the one dollar per year fee will only be able to read posts, watch videos, and follow other accounts. And and here, I I believe there's something a little more insidious here, actually. For a long time, Musk has been talking about doing this thing where he has like an everything app. That was his idea originally with PayPal. He wanted to have like an app that does everything. Basically, what uh, what they have in China, like the the uh, I think it's WeChat, and uh, where it it basically you need that app in order to do everything in China. You need it to you know it's like PayPal. It's your social media, it's your YouTube, it's it's everything, and it's also heavily monitored by the uh, by the Chinese government. So I think that the idea here is for Musk to not fight bots. That may be part of it, but I think it's also to start getting credit card information on people. That's really interesting, Andres. Because I didn't think about it like that. Now, and going back, remember before Musk got involved with PayPal, his company that he started was called X. That was the name of the the payment processing or merchant that he created, and then he got absorbed into PayPal at some point. He he has said before he bought Twitter that he has dreamed of cre uh, creating that everything app. He's called it X from the beginning, so he's always wanted to call it X, and he finally pulled that trigger. And he, you know, they now we have X instead of Twitter, and. Every time I read an article about somebody's tweets or whatever, nobody knows how to write. And they're, they're always like, the app formerly known as Twitter. And on the note of how he wants to collect information, I mean, yes, like he, not only is he positioning himself to get credit card information, but he also just put out that verification process for getting, you know, blue or check marks or whatever at Twitter and is charging money. And he's now adding a, like a second layer of um, identity where you have to upload, I believe you have to like upload a driver's license and, or maybe multiple forms of ID to get your uh, 
Twitter profile with like a, I don't know, a gold check mark or something. I don't, I don't remember exactly what that gets you, but I mean, he's getting a lot of personal information that could be used exactly for what you're saying. Yeah. And, he, and, and out of all the people I would trust uh, with my information, much less, uh, you know, a brain uh, link, I definitely, you know, wouldn't even give that guy my, my personal information on any level. And so I, 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 you know, and and the other thing is, I don't know what his obsession with X is. You know, there's like, uh, I mean, maybe I do. When I was 13, I thought that X was like a cool number, like X Men or like it was whatever. I mean, but I, I grew up. You grew out of it. Yeah, I became an adult, and uh, I also can't afford to do all the cocaine. So, <laughs> uh, on Twitter, know. you know, what I find really interesting because okay, so this one dollar thing would likely hurt their user growth. And I mean, almost certainly, it certainly would. It wouldn't even be likely. It definitely would hurt their user growth. It'll hurt their numbers um, as far as the, the people registered for Twitter and how that looks to advertisers. I, I think it's probably not a good move, especially, I mean, even if it makes advertising more efficient on there, it's going to be a bad look and advertisers are going to probably be scared off by it. Plus, I don't know if you saw this, but um, with when you run an ad on Twitter, uh, well, actually, let me back up. When, you, when you're on Twitter now, Elon Musk has introduced a feature called Community Notes. Maybe you've heard of that. Uh, Community Notes is a way where people can add context to news stories that have been released in the media. And it's kind of functions like Wikipedia, from my understanding, where you have to you kind of submit it. A few other users have to verify, um, have to verify that something is true, and then they can post into the Community Notes if it gets enough votes. And Elon Musk has left that feature on for advertisers also. So I've come across several ads where a company is uh, making a pitch for a product. There was one, for example, was this um, Apple app that was basically built on the backbone of ChatGPT. And they were just charging, like, they were just charging money to use ChatGPT basically uh, through their app. And Community Notes actually put a label on there that was like, you don't need this. You can get a free account at, at OpenAI or chat.openai.com. You can get a free account. And it, it just made me laugh. Like, wh why would you allow um, community notes to, to diss on advertisers who are like the only funding source for your company right now? And you're, you're already struggling. We know advertisers have left in droves. It's just, it's just interesting. His, uh, some of his priorities are, are kind of mixed there, are kind of strange. Yeah. And, and, and even, uh, you know, aside from that, he's fired like the community safety people, a and you know they they found that he was during the election in uh, Turkey recently, where they were voting for uh, a guy who's basically a fascist over there, and uh, he was found to shut off Twitter essentially, so there could be no discourse. I mean, the 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 guy for for the the bastion of free speech that he says he is. Uh, he has definitely put his thumb on the scale many, many times, and I, 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 I'm just hoping that uh, you know. I mean, it's interesting though because I read another article recently that that mentioned that people seem to be leaving social media. I don't know if that's true, but because uh, everybody seems to be on their phones, but I, 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 I think that there's a disillusionment with with social media. I mean. Originally, Facebook was just like a way for me to kind of keep in touch with people. It was, uh, you know, see photos, catch up on what people are doing. And now it's like constant ads. It's, it's you know, and, and, uh, and my, my crazy, you know, 
ex-friends who are have drank the Kool-Aid. You know, it, I, I just, I just, I just can't. I just can't anymore. Facebook has become very corporatized. I mean, like you said, ads everywhere. If you want to just kind of share content and kind of get the best content, you're not going to get that. You're going to get the content that is that's going to generate the most number of clicks or the content that's going to uh, that people are paying to push out, which is a, probably a good segue into the story about how Meta is being sued by California and 41 other states because their algorithm is allegedly um, favoring or are creating uh, addictive patterns or you know triggering addictive patterns in children and teens, and that the marketing is targeted for that demographic. And I, I mean, I have to say that, yes, I believe that is 100% true. I don't know if technically it's illegal or not, but I mean, 100% they are targeting to teens with, and they are purposely manipulating your uh, dopamine levels in order to create an addictive pattern in, in how you engage with the platform. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's the whole purpose of it. And, you know, in, in that vein, there are also, you know, this is the, this is the interesting thing, because I think what, what has happened is that, that social media has hit this, like, growth point where it's like, okay, we've been dumping money into this thing for years, but, but how do we really make money back, it, especially if advertising is getting blocked on uh, some of these platforms, or th they know that they're going to have to be forced to change their algorithm on some level. So. So how do you, you know, people are not willing to pay for social media. They would just leave. But that's, that's the alternative. I mean, I don't know if you saw it. in the UK, um, they're rolling out a beta with Facebook where, or Meta will charge, I think like $20 a month or something if you want to opt out of ads to use Facebook or Instagram. So they're actually going to be testing whether or not people will pay for social media in the UK um, because the privacy standards are so strict over there that Facebook needed to kind of give themselves an out. And so they're, they're testing a subscription model, which I, again, I don't think people will pay for social media. I could be wrong. I'm not really sure. That's my opinion. I, I definitely would not. I mean, if I, if I could, if I could curate my own timeline and uh, you know, and I know that the people that are on there are like people that I want to talk to uh, but you know, I, unfortunately too many people I know, you know, went crazy and I don't want to interact with those people. So I, I, I is it going to stop people getting radicalized on social media? I don't think so. Unless you can change your algorithm and unless I can control my own data and, and not have it sold to, cause it doesn't guarantee that they're not going to sell your data to third party providers anyway. So no, I, I, I don't. You know, but the question is, and this is the the existential problem that almost every platform has: How do you, unless you're Tinder, how are you gonna, you know, make money aside from advertising? And the more ads you put in there, the the more it turns people off. So on that note, another story that just came out is um, YouTube is now uh, blocking ad blockers. I have uh, a bunch of ad blockers on my uh, on my plugins on my Chrome browser. So I never see ads ever. And then I have a, an ad blocker on my phone too. And um, so it, but it recently stopped working. So, but whenever I watch videos on uh, my computer, but recently when I go there, it tells me you have an ad blocker and we're not going to play this video if you, unless you disable it. So the question there is, 
uh, or I have to pay, uh, you know, for fifteen ninety nine or whatever it is for uh, YouTube uh, Premium. Uh, and I, and you you pay for that, and I want to ask you why in a second. But the question is is how important is YouTube to me if I have to sit through an ungodly amount of ads because they're adding more and more of them and they're unskippable? So is it worth it to me? It, you know, I mean, I've got better shit to do with my time anyway. So so you have uh, YouTube Premium. What what is what is it like for you, and why do you pay for it? I, I do have it. Well, number one, I, I hate, I, I can't do YouTube with ads. Like I, I can't do it. I, I can't handle, I don't, I don't care if it's 10 seconds then skip or 20 seconds then skip. I, I can't handle it. So I, I've been on YouTube premium for years now because I just don't want to watch those ads because um, they're just unbearable for me. Uh, but now YouTube is one of my primary channels that I watch. I mean, of, of all the subscriptions that I pay for, which like I go on and off with like HBO Max or with uh, Paramount Plus or Netflix or whatnot. YouTube is by far the most utilized of all those. So, I mean, what's funny is I'd probably better off paying for YouTube and getting rid of a lot of my other ones. Um, but I mean, I really, I use it and, you know, yes, I do waste time on there and I do, I'm not always like educationally driven content, but, uh, but, you know, now my son is also on there too, able to watch, uh, without having to watch all those ads. And I, I don't know if you've been around your son when he's playing like a phone game or, uh, on YouTube when the ads blocker is not on, but some of the ads that they get fed are like really adult oriented and not yeah. <laughs> like there, there's like sex based video games that my, uh, my son will get ads for while he's playing like <laughs> on the phone. So it's, uh, it's, it's very, it's very strange. So, I mean, I, I. I didn't even realize that an ad blocker would work on, on YouTube's um, platform. So, I mean, if I had known that, I probably would have been doing what you were doing. But, you know, but because I've already been paying it, I'm, I don't plan on stopping. I'll, I'll just keep paying the, paying the uh, uh, subscription. Are there other features that you get that, that you use or is it just ads? I, I think there are. I mean, like the only thing that I can think of that rolled out when it first came out was that you could... Um, you could minimize the app on your phone and you could still listen to the audio of a video. You could, they wouldn't let you like minimize the, the screen. I don't know if you've seen where now a lot of video players will let you minimize the screen and you can like look at other apps while the video still plays on your screen and like the bottom right corner. Yeah. You could even shut off. I mean, there's music stuff. So like you can use it like Spotify. That's well, but, but YouTube still doesn't allow that. They don't allow that. They, um, really? they, they allow you to only listen to the audio. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Uh, but not the, not actually like minimize the video like that. But the, there are other features. I don't even know what they are. Uh, the only reason I pay is for that ad blocker. Um, and I, I've been happy with it. I, again, I think I, think I waste more money on, uh, on subscriptions like Max or uh, Peacock or um, whatever the flavor of the month is than I do on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I, I pay for uh, the same service of YouTube that I do for all my streaming services thanks to... Uh, uh, a site uh, known as Irit Pay, which mm. uh, which uh, you know I go to occasionally. The favorite letter is R. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, well, interesting, and and I I don't know if I would I would really pay for YouTube. So, uh, but you know it's it, it, obviously there's a there's a there's there's a a thing that these tech companies are up against the the wall now because they've got to figure out how to you know, be grown up. And the, the question is, you know, and I've said this for many years, do we need social media? Is it something that we actually need? And I, 
I don't well, think so. You know, when you say, "Do we need it? Do we need it as a society?" Absolutely not. Do we? Uh, are we willing to give it up? I very much doubt that. I highly, highly doubt that people are actually leaving social media in droves. And if they did, they'd probably be going to some other, you know, stimulus-driven platform or whatever the next big thing will be where they're investing the same amount of time and the same amount of um, useless energy into into the next thing so i I don't i don't see us turning back the clock and getting back to a more conversation driven society or anything i don't i don't don't see that happening i know and you're talking to a guy who'll be reading uh you know i'll be on my computer i'll be looking at uh at reddit and i'm thinking i gotta i gotta you know shut this off and do work and I shut it off and then I pick up my phone and I go on Reddit. I mean, it's so stupid. You know, a long time ago we talked about how these advertising platforms like like Facebooks or um, just any any advertising platform is based on a lot of principles that were learned in from Las Vegas casinos. They they use a lot of the same tricks. They use um, a lot of these like you know influence patterns, manipulation tactics, whatever you want to call them, but they. They are absolutely manipulating people, and I'm going to be interested to follow the lawsuit against Meta um, about appealing to kids and triggering addiction patterns in kids. Because I'm very, I'm just very curious how that plays out in the court of law. I, I, I mean, they are absolutely guilty. It's just a matter of is are they actually liable for it, or are they is the question because they are guilty. Here, here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. Yes, they're guilty. They have to pay a $50 million fine, which is what they make in a few hours. It's the price yeah. of doing business, and then they're going to keep on doing it. That's the, that's the order of the day, my friend. Yeah. I mean, that's happened before. Didn't they, didn't they pay like a, I think they paid a bigger fine than that in um, privacy lawsuit in, in the UK previously, or European Union, that was uh, like a couple billion dollars. And they paid it, and they're fine, and they they went on with their lives, and that'll you're right. That's probably exactly what didn't, will happen. Didn't even hurt their quarter. It did not even hurt their quarter. So, uh, you know, for a lot of companies, that would bankrupt them. But, you know, I, and and here's the problem with with the, like late stage capitalism in the United States. I believe in capitalism. Don't think that I don't. But but in truth, uh, if it's if if it's worked properly, I mean, it's you got to play by the rules. Uh, Candyland. Has rules, right? So you gotta you gotta play by the rules. But uh, the problem is, is that uh, if you're super successful, our society is not set up for these types of organizations that are this big and this powerful. And so if if the worst that's going to happen is they're going to get paid, you know, a few million, a billion, uh, and they can pay that fine. But in the United States, a corporation is considered a person. And if I did some of these things that these organizations get fined for, I would be in jail, right? And I, I would have my livelihood taken away from me. So in, until a corporation can be put to death the way that a person can for killing people, uh, I, I think that, that we need to rethink the laws. I mean, I, I fully believe if you break those types of laws, you should be not allowed at all to you know, advertise towards children or at least have some heavy disclaimers or something. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting point. I mean, yeah, a corporation is treated like a person except when it comes to consequences because they're, you know, I mean, they are treated with fines and civil penalties, but they're not treated with, um, capital punishment. Nope. They're not treated with, uh, with other types of punishment. They don't, they don't really face 
direct jail time and I mean not not the same way anyway so you know it, it is a uh, a little bit of a mismatch there with com- the comparison to them as a person because they seem to have some freedoms that people do not have uh, at getting away exactly with exactly <laughs> now the individuals can i mean they can go after the individuals within the corporation but they rarely do and they, but they uh, don't i mean that's the, the thing it's like the people who make these decisions uh, and and the only re- time that ever happens is like when you look at uh uh, uh bankman freed or you look at uh elizabeth holmes uh and the reason why they got busted is because they ripped off rich people yeah and as long as you you don't rip off rich people you can basically do whatever you want so uh yeah and their their stories went viral also on top of that so if you can i mean for every viral story where there actually is somebody gets busted there's probably a thousand of uh, the exact same story where they fly under the radar, avoid consequences, and just keep doing it over and over again, enabling like a predatory pattern. Exactly. So the question is, do we need social media? Do we need to support these companies that continue to do this? Uh, but you know, you know, one company that I would support. Yeah. Who? Uh, I would support a sex robot provider. Ooh. You know what that means, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, it is time for the Sex Robot Report. Give it up. Mm -mm. It's back. It's back. All right. So uh, uh, have have you ever been to a brothel? (laughs) I I will not answer that question uh, while on a podcast uh, is probably what you're thinking. But um, uh, uh, there is uh, an opportunity for you. So here's, here's the interesting thing. This is this is what I always wondered. If you uh, let's say that you have a sex robot and uh, you have sex with that robot, is that considered cheating, or is that considered like having a sex toy? I think as as we move forward in society, it'll become more and more considered cheating. Uh, I think we're moving in that direction, but right now it's still probably uh, relatively safe. But I, I do think that we're moving more and more towards uh, giving machines human rights. So I, you're asking me the question. I'm, I'm just telling you that's my opinion. I think that I think by in 10 years from now, 20 years from now, you could be charged with a crime for uh, being too frisky with your sex robot. Well, what if what if uh, what if someone else is controlling the sex robot? Is that are, are you cheating with someone else or? Definitely. Do you, really? <laughs> no, I, I don't. Know. I don't know either. I have no. I. It's great. Those are great, uh, great questions. Great mind benders, or uh, what do they call those? Great thought experiments. Yeah, yeah. Well, how about this? Uh, according to the Sun, uh, inside the world's first cyber sex brothel, where customers can pay two hundred and twenty-eight pounds. This is in uh, Britain, obviously, uh, to romp with sex robots, and VR brings kinky dolls to life. So. According to Wait, how much was it? Co- how much did it cost? Two hundred pounds. Two hundred and twenty-eight pounds is about. Uh, I think that's roughly about like two hundred fifty bucks. And, and they get to they get to romp with robots and in VR too. How does VR get? Well, lucky for you, I'm going to read the story. It's ten a.m. on Monday, and I'm inside the cyber brothel in Berlin, the world's first immersive brothel where customers can pay two hundred twenty-eight pounds for an hour with a robotic sex doll called Kokechi. Hmm. Catchy. If you're if you're using if you're using a a a, a sex doll that someone else has used, there's <laughs> definitely 
a coquetchy that you could get. You could definitely. That is a great point. Yep. Uh, here, a man and machine come together, as it were, through, I see what they did there, through trailblazing technology. We are the future of sex, says Philip Fussinger. Fussinger. That's a, that's a, what a name. Philip Fussinger with two P's and two S's and two G's. We want to create an adult playground and a new way of experiencing pleasure. As well as sex robot dolls, a cyber, uh, a cyber bro- cyber brothel uh, also has regular sex dolls, which, quote, come to life through VR. AI exists, so we have to embrace it, says Philip. Having sex is a way, maybe I should sound like a, like a, like a, uh, a cyber pimp, like a British cyber pimp when I read this yeah, part. Yeah, you should, definitely. AI exists, so we have to embrace it, says Philip. Having sex this way isn't something to be scared of. It can't compete with conventional sex with humans. It's just different. How's that? Is that? That was good. I love I nail it. it. Yeah, you got it. You got it. You got it down. So, wait, wait, what do the VR goggles do exactly? I don't know. So these I, like run down like old fashioned sex robots. Maybe like they don't even have a head. You put on the VR goggles. Suddenly they look like they have like a beautiful face and body. Because the VR fills in the blanks, or what's going on here? Like a like an augmented reality yeah. thing. Well, let, let us let us read on. Sex tech entrepreneur and co-founders of Cybrothel, uh, Matthias Smata, adds: surprisingly, VR porn is very popular among women and couples. Really, I think women like to experience how it would feel to have a penis. A woman can put on a okay. Oh, sorry. Sorry about this. Uh, I, I, I just, just I got to get through the sentence. I'm sorry. A woman can put on a strap-on penis and have sex with the doll in front of them. What would that, like, what would that do? Like, what is it? Like, I'm, I'm going to put on a strap-on and have sex with a, with a sex doll? That what, is the VR, what does the VR do to, to change the experience? What is, what is that? It's just, it's just augmenting things? Well... When they put on the VR headset, they will see the doll moving and talking to them. It's a bit like a sexy Siri. And and is it uh, is it like AI powered? I mean, is this, is this an AI powered conversation here, or are we still I, I, kind of? I on... think so. Okay. Uh, one time, a woman asked the doll what it wanted, and it said more people. And so they ended up having a threesome. This is, I, is this real life? Uh, two people and one doll. <laughs> the technology is really amazing. Philip, who has been described as the Willy Wonka of sex. <laughs> By who? By himself? Yeah, probably. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> tells us how his website is the X-rated version of Booking.com. Our sex dolls are silicon <laughs> and life-size. Oh, my God. Our customers can choose their hair color, her outfit, the type of role play or kink, and if they want... This doll to talk or not, the dolls speak English and German. If you've booked, you will get an email from us, which will tell you where to go and when you arrive at our brothel, and the doll will be waiting in the position you want. So the, the brothel is uh, like booking.com, but when does the Uber of sex robots come out where they come right to your house? Yeah, and are they topless? I mean, if they are, I would, <laughs> I would just call that business Boober, right? I mean, mm. obviously. Uh, <laughs> thank you. I'm here all week. Uh, you will have no interaction with another human while you're here. You can choose different packages depending on what your kink is. Um, 
I am not one to kink shame. I'm really not. Like I'm open to whatever you want to do as long as it's consenting adults and it's not like a creepy age gap. I'm I'm pretty okay with most things. But but here I'm going to have to kink shame the shit out of this. <laughs> Cuz uh yeah, uh that just that just uh yeah. Yeah, I mean what you're, kind of, you're involving robots now. It's no longer between humans. There are robots that are probably not even that highly advanced. And I mean, I think the need for VR goggles is a flag, in my opinion, because why do you even need them? Like, what? Why would that be a good thing? That seems like that would be distracting and like terrible to have on your head. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, have you ever had sex with uh, with VR goggles? I have. I mean, rarely even worn VR goggles. So I mean, sometimes I'll put on VR goggles, uh, you know, with my wife and uh, fantasize I'm somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, what else you got for me, man? Are, are we uh, are we good with that? I think we better just get the fuck out of here. No, I mean, I think I, I don't know how to top that. Yeah, I, I don't mean, either. That was, that was an incredible, incredible return to form for the Sex <laughs> Robot Report, which hasn't been on this program. For over a year, probably. I know, I know. So what a what a return with a vengeance. We have we have, we have some catching up to do. Uh, maybe next time we talk, uh, you know, I, I'm looking into a lot of like what's going on in the state of Oregon with um, psychedelic therapies and things like mm-hmm. that. So I, that's always a fascinating topic to me. I, I, I've been researching a bit about like uh, psilocybin is the one that's uh, all the craze right now because Oregon approved it for therapeutic use. I believe they're the first state. There might have been other states. I don't know. California almost did, but Newsom vetoed it, interestingly enough. Um, but it, it, there's a huge license fee to become a practitioner uh, or facilitator of a psilocybin trip experience for a client. And there's an even larger license fee to become a company that can uh, host, uh, host clients for that experience. So I, they're talking about, I think, like 25000 for the company per year. Um, and like 2,500 maybe for the facilitator around there. Those are ballpark numbers. I'd have to double check what they are. Uh, that I, I'm interested though to see how this plays out. Uh, I saw that the early stories about the first clinic, we'll call it a clinic, uh, that opened up in Eugene, Oregon, um, are that they are, are saying that they're going to charge like $2,500 or around there for a psilocybin experience. That is incredibly high, very very expensive. Now. Because they're the only place in the U.S. where you could get it legally, they might still attract you know ev- you know rich rich <laughs> people who want to be first. But there's no way that that's a sustainable business over the long haul, especially um, if if psilocybin starts getting legalized in more and more states. I mean that is way way high, and they're gonna they're gonna pay a price for price gouging that much upfront um, in the long term if. If a year from now companies are charging like a tenth of that for the same thing, or you could just—that's that's my thing. When I lived in Oregon, uh, I just called my buddy Nate and just gave him fifty bucks. So there you go. You call know. Nate. Call Nate. <laughs> Nate, if you're listening, I miss you, buddy. <laughs> Get ready for yourself on to blow up with uh, with text messages and calls. <laughs> and with that, ladies and gentlemen, I think we better close off this episode before we get in any more trouble. That's right. I'm Andros Sturgeon, and I am Justin Womack. We are the Marketing Geeks, and we are out. Stay classy. Marketing Geeks, come on, bring your friends. We'll learn marketing from distant lands. Andrew Sturgeon and Justin Womack, the fun will never end. It's Marketing Geeks. Marketing Geeks.
weeks.